bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, you know that we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Third Love. They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games, and there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who still hasn't won the dunk contest. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Rob, dude. Just, ah, uh, ah. Uh, I was here on my Nerf hoop setup. Both girls tried to block me. I mm-hmm. pushed Claire out of the way, spun around Estelle, and just boom. Dude. Robbed. You may not have leapt over Shaq, but you did leap over your five-year-old, and that should be impressive enough. And I right? only clipped her head a little bit, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we have an awesome show for you, folks. Uh, I, have, I have to apologize right at the top. I'm a little sick. I'm a little under the weather. Turns out when you have kids, uh, you get sick all the time. So that's my new reality. I would go years of my life without getting sick, and now it's like, oh, every other week. I'm, I would like to point out I'm healthy. mm mm yeah, maybe it's because you don't you don't spend enough time around your kids. I don't know. <laughs> just dunk on them. It's uh, just dunk on them. Um, we have an awesome show for you. We got games to talk about. We got tons of news. Oh my gosh, we got we got more proof that uh, there is an undisputed objective game of forever, the best game of all time. We'll get to that. But first, I have to introduce our guest. And what a guest we have. Uh, you know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm so excited because DLC stands for dropping lyrics and commentary because we have video game hip hop artist as well as Twitch streamer Mega Ran is joining us for the first time. Hey, Mega Ran. Hey, what's going on? So happy to have you here. We're both big fans of your music and uh, and your stream. And I know you just uh, you just got do, through watching Elimination Chamber, right? Yes, yes. I've been uh, binging heavy on some wrestling today. So, but I'm excited to chat games with you guys. All right, let's do it. Let's jump right in and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, cool folks there. You should check it out. Hang out. Contribute. Whatever you like. Uh, Megaran, you are our guest, so you do get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Man, I think the story of the week, just based on my Twitter interactions with folks, uh, it's got to be the Activision and Blizzard layoffs. Mm, uh, this yes. this has been a big one. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, but uh, Activision and Blizzard just posted like record revenues for for last year for the fiscal yeah, year. So not good enough, evidently. But apparently, that was not good enough. So uh, they had to uh, make. Lay off what eight hundred people? 
Yeah. Eight <sighs> percent of their workforce, which is roughly eight hundred people, eight uh, percent of any workforce is a huge number of people. I mean, a huge percentage of of the people you've been employing. <sighs> um, and in this case, it's uh, nearly eight hundred people. We had we had heard last week. We talked a little on the show last week about the rumors that this would happen, and we were thinking it was going to be a big layoffs of around two hundred people. But man, it is an order of magnitude more than that 800 people uh from from blizzard from activision i have friends that were affected uh, so i have mm. you know i have some some skin in this game myself um what was your reaction to this mega Rand? How, how did you feel about it well i never like to see you know folks out of a job but especially i was just a little bit confused on how how business and money works apparently where you can <laughs> <laughs> where you can hit a record high and still let go at 800 people. I mean, I have friends as well that are, that were affected in this and seeing them, you know, talking about just like huddles of people in the parking lots crying, like just, just being like so negatively affected by what was going on. Um, it really hit me hard. I mean, as a guy who, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm probably not the best proponent for like keeping a job because like I quit jobs a lot, but, <laughs> but when you really enjoy what you do, like making video games and then, you, you work so hard to get a company uh, so profitable and then losing a job is just, oh man, it's just like the absolute worst case scenario. So my heart really went out to these folks. Yeah, mine did too. I mean, it is, it's hard to see. And as you said, it, it, it's one thing if your company is hit, hit with a rough year and you, you know, you underperformed or you're, you know, you're, just scraping by and trying to figure out ways to stay profitable. Or if your CEOs are like, hey, we took a pay cut too. No, no, no. Uh, the, official, no. the official sentence from Bobby Kotick on the earnings call, this is a quote, quote, while our financial results for 2018 were the best in our history, we didn't realize our full potential. What? So they made uh, $7.26 billion in profit or in sales, I should say that's not profit, but uh, in sales. And that's the most they have ever made as a company. And yet they need more, more, more. And so you got to, you got to cut people, you got to cut huge swaths of people. And uh, Kotick himself evidently went home with uh, something like 26 million in compensation all told uh, for 2017. So, you know, he's not giving up his millions and it, it, it does, it does feel a little scummy you gotta you gotta say you know yeah i mean it seems like if they had said okay pay cuts that's one thing or like like you said if guys from the top are taking pay cuts to help you know kind of even things out and cushion the blow that's a whole other issue but for you to take home 26 million and say wow we just didn't we didn't do what we needed to do sorry guys is um man it's really tough to to read it's rough yeah I couldn't agree more. Christian, I'm sure, you know, I have talked a lot offline about this as well. I, I'm sure you agree. Yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, capitalism in its purest and rawest form mm. is difficult, right, at times. And, I, and we don't even live in a pure form of, of capitalist society here in the United States. But the idea of your best year ever not being living up to expectations, or maybe even it's your best year ever and Wall Street predicted you would do even better. So there, I don't know if this is the case for Activision. I didn't look at their full financials, but like there are scenarios where, you know, a company has record profits, record revenues, but Wall Street predicted they'd be even better. And since they didn't hit those expectations, their stock price still takes a dip. And then since they're a public company, the executives are left wondering like, 
what they can do to create that revenue for their stockholders, which are people like the three of us, perhaps, you know, for, for X company or whatever it is, right. In some mutual fund or um, some retirement savings plan or whatever it is. And then it's this weird world of the micro and the macro and the personal and, and the global side of things that is um, it's hard to stomach at times, right. Where it's, you need to be continually creating more wealth to continue to be successful versus like, what's wrong with, Hey, we did it again, guys. We made another hundred million dollars for the twentieth year in a row. Hundred million. That would be like a failing business, right? It's it's uh it's hard to wrap my head around sometimes. Yeah. 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 And you know, and I think, you know, there's been people saying, Oh, it's not the the developers, it's it's ancillary stuff. And I think that's a a, a distinction that I'm not willing to make. I mean, these are all people who are instrumental in bringing these games to market and um, you know, helping create the things that we all love. And if you're looking at it from a, from purely a player's perspective, 800 people or 8% of a company leaving is going to have an effect. That's going to have, we will see some effect from that. I don't know what that will be, but certainly uh, it will affect the games that we play and, and how we find out about them. You know, a lot of this is, is community and esports, And um, so it's going to have an effect to the end user. That's us. And, and uh, it's not going to be a positive one. I don't think so. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Another sad thing about it that I, I was reading about just trying to get some information about this is that uh there's been a huge movement online uh through socials about uh unionizing game developers. So yeah. I'm sure you guys have chatted about it at some point. Yes. And uh but it looks like that wouldn't have even stopped this. You know, that wasn't something that could have even saved this this situation. Right. Well, certainly uh unions can't prevent layoffs, but yeah. They can provide a structure wherein the layoffs uh, have a uh, softened effect on the employees where there's, mm -hmm. um, you know, you have uh, collective bargaining to decide how layoffs uh, are, uh, how you get notified of layoffs, what they, what, what kind of um, compensation package you, you'll get when you're laid off. All of that stuff is part of the collective bargaining agreement that unions enter into with their employers. And so you have at least some awareness going in. A lot of the people I heard about from this found out on social media. They found out because of reporting that was like, oh, there's going to be layoffs. And that's crappy, man. That's, that's just horrible. a – it's a really it, – it really makes you – you know, this is a company that I have a lot of affection for. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Blizzard fan and have been for decades. Yeah. And, you know, I, for many, many years they felt like a company that um, – you could love, you know what I mean? They, they felt mm -hmm. like one of those companies that did right by people. Yeah. And other, you know, people point out that in 2012, there were layoffs at Blizzard, uh, significant layoffs. So this isn't the first time this has happened, but it certainly seems like a, another in a series of events that have happened lately. They just feel like um, Blizzard and Activision together are, are this weird, chaotic, rudderless ship that's uh, meandering instead of feeling like you, you can really, you know, believe in what they're doing. So it's unfortunate. One positive, I mean, if you can even pull a positive out of a situation like this, is I really feel like there's just a lot of poor planning that might have been the cause of this. And um, right. and it just may get worse later on. So I look at it like if you could possibly pull a silver lining, it's the, the 800 or so that are out <clears throat> now have an, an early start to go and building something new and finding something new before, yeah. you know, before even worse things could happen, you know? 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I have to say, as somebody who was also watching this intently on social media as it was happening the day of, I am shocked at how many other companies are hiring. You know, it was like <laughs> every other every other developer I follow was like, "Hey, we want to reach out anybody that got fired today. We have positions available." It's like, well, ever lots of people are hiring, so hopefully, a lot of these people <sighs> land on their feet uh, or do things. But you know that anecdotally, some of the friends that I have, uh, you know, it's hit them pretty hard and it's, uh, it's not an easy thing to lose your job unexpectedly like that. So <sighs> feel for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Christian, what is your story of the week? Well, there's two things I for sure want to mention. One will be a quick and it, I want to shout it out, but friend of the show and guest of the show, Chris Bergman, uh, tweeted out, I guess two days ago, a couple of days ago, uh, that he's moving back to Cincinnati and he's bringing a game dev studio with him. And he's, uh, Starting up a, a game development studio, he announced his first game, Ra Ra Boom, with a, a picture, I believe is all we saw on Twitter. It looks really cool. Um, kind of looks like it has like a little anime style. You can find it on his Twitter. Um, and so that's awesome. I'm super excited. Uh, I had heard yeah. some whispers about this before he publicly tweeted it. But uh, man, it's so, it's so, so cool. And Chris, uh, if you haven't fallen asleep while listening to this episode yet, um, we want that exclusive, yo. Come on, tell us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, he's a buddy, so uh, we're wishing him the best, and can't wait to hear more. So yeah, Chris, you have to come back on and be a guest again, so we'll, we'll get the the lowdown on your new studio. Yeah, What's yeah. That? The story of the week, my story of the week, and believe me, uh, and Jeff, I think you know this to be true. When I say that, I had no this slapped me across the face when it happened, and. I rushed to download it as soon as it was out. Tetris <laughs> 99 announced and same day Beyonce dropped in a Nintendo Direct that was pure fire. The whole Direct mm. was absolutely incredible. They started with something incredible, but I don't want to muddle stories here. And then they're just like, oh, by the way, the best game of all time <laughs> is going Battle Royale for free, asterisk, if you're a Nintendo Online subscriber. Mm. And you can download it later today. And I did, and I played a lot of it. I'll talk about that later. Uh, it just worked. My goodness. My goodness. That has to be the biggest story. Tetris will never die. Never. Yeah. That's why we have said many times here on the show that it is objectively the greatest game of all time. People will be playing Tetris in 100 years. It'll still be played. And man, seeing how Tetris 99 just grabbed everybody this week mm. and reminded them how much they love Tetris, people who've got mad Tetris skills, like, <laughs> dude, made themselves known in the world again. It's like, oh, it's people a multiplayer game? Look at me. Account. They were creating Twitch accounts to be like, oh, watch out, kids. <laughs> the streaming <laughs> Tetris 99. Yeah, and uh, and and I guess um, you know proof that you can make a royale game out of out of anything uh, because it's fun. These this this mode is I don't think just a uh, flash in the pan or a you know a, a trend that's going to die. I feel like it's got legs. It it can be applied in all kinds of crazy genres that we haven't even thought about yet. Mm -hmm. And I know it right now it feels like the you know the flavor of the month, but I think. The idea of a, a whole bunch of pe 100 people competing until one is the last standing is 
going to endure. It's going to, it's going to work on a whole bunch of levels. Tetris proves that. Yep. And kudos for Nintendo for like keeping this a secret and dropping it how they dropped it. It's, it's pretty exciting. That was great. It made me get a uh, Nintendo online subscription. Uh, Dang. I, I think that's its job, right? It's yeah. just, that's the same for me. I was like, that's the entire purpose was like, get people to sign up for Nintendo <laughs> online. Right. First I was like, eh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. And then I saw Tetris. I was on it. And I mind you, I just paid real money for Tetris just like two months ago. For yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah. So uh yeah, Tetris is is not going anywhere. Yeah, we are we're in a uh Tetris Essence, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Tetris 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 Renaissance. <laughs> um well, wh- why don't we just make the Nintendo Direct uh, your your whole story? Because there's lots to talk about with the Nintendo Direct. So let's uh, let's. I mean, obviously Tetris 99, huge. The fact that we could play it immediately after the the Direct was huge. But as you, you said, get into Spystradamus and Jeff Jeff Stradamus. Is that what you yeah, want to get we, into? Yeah, some of our predictions of the year already uh, came true. Um, chief among them, I predicted there would be a top down. Uh, DS style Zelda for for Switch this year, boom, nailed it. What no, I did, it's a know, Game Boy style, not a yeah, DS style. <laughs> yeah, right. What I didn't know is that it was going to be a remake of Link's Awakening. As uh, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening remake has been announced and uh, it's in development. It's the remake of the uh, Game Boy game from 25 years ago. It mm. looks gorgeous. We don't know details but we saw a little video uh mega ran did you like jump out of your skin like we did watching that video i definitely did um i saw some rumblings i think i woke up that morning and just saw a couple people talking about it and i'm like huh yeah link's awakening was great i wonder why everybody's talking about it right now (laughs) (laughs) oh snap (laughs) and uh yeah i got really excited one of my favorite games of all time uh i'm all about it it looks absolutely gorgeous it looks beautiful. I mean, the the, the wonderful like side by side comparisons of the screens that people have been doing to that you know that old monochrome Game Boy <laughs> look and the way that they've updated it with beautiful uh, that sort of um, painted uh, animated look. It's just it's it looks so great. It looks like they've done, you know put a lot of love into it. It doesn't to me look like something that they're just shoving out the door to tide people over because there's not going to be a Zelda for a long, long time. It, it really does feel like they put a lot of love and, and attention on it. So absolutely. Yeah. Can we just see the, more? We're in the era of, you know, remakes done right. You know, like Shadow of the Colossus, yeah. Resident Evil 2. It looks like this, having not played it or, you know, gone hands on with it. But this idea mm-hmm. of games have been around so long now that we can revisit these games and give them a polished and loved upgrade and tweak things here and there, nip tuck here and there and make an improved experience that let's be honest, most people, a lot of people that are gaming today on switch have never played leaks awakening and would never go play it on game boy. And if my memory serves correct, the dungeons of that game were incredible. So to have that incredible experience now available for so many new players, Makes a lot of sense. So I'm excited to see this type of remake happening more and more and more, it seems. Yeah. The other thing I want to point out about this and, and this sort of mic drop moment at the end of the Nintendo Direct is that we're also in this sort of post-event announcement world where yeah. hmm. uh, you know people are like, well, they didn't mention Metroid Trilogy or anything like that. They could have a Nintendo Direct tomorrow or next week or a month from now. There's <laughs> no – you know, this is like E3 level – these were huge. 
mic drops. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but it's tied to nothing. It's just, it was just a day of the week in February. It was Tuesday at 2 PM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we really are in a place where any, anything can happen at any time. And there's no, we used to have these, you know, these tent pole moments in the year where it's like, okay, you know, Tokyo game show and E3 and, um, you know, Gamescom and stuff like that, where you would expect to get these kinds of cool announcement packages and Nintendo's going like, well, we can do it anytime we want. We have a direct line to our audience. Mm-hmm. You literally call it direct. So why not? Uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the mic drop at the end. They also started with the, they, they dropped the mic before they got going. They started <laughs> rolling with Mario Seriously. Maker 2. Series of mics that they dropped. Yes. Yeah. They, they have several <laughs> mics and they just keep dropping them. Uh, and coming this summer, uh, Link's Awakening wasn't dated. Is that correct? Do That's you guys correct, remember? Yeah. I think it is 2019, though. They, I'm assuming it's fall. Yeah. Uh, and then Mar- oh. Mario Maker was given June, right? Yeah, mm. June. So, <sighs> yeah, Mario Maker 2, which is something you've been predicting, Christian, I think for two years. But well, it's easy to predict. A wildly successful game getting a sequel by Nintendo. It's like I really put myself out on a limb. So <laughs> yeah. <I feel> good. <laughs> um, my big question for Mario Maker 2, I mean, they, they showed some new things like slopes. You can now do slopes, which, uh, you know, people have been breathlessly awaiting slopes i guess uh, but that is cool um but uh, i'm hoping that we see some sort of use of the multi-touch right because the wii u version the the screen on the wii u pad only supported single touch and so the the you know the editor that you could do with the touch screen was limited that way and i feel like there could be cool ways for them to use the more sophisticated multi-touch screen of the switch to make the editing more you know easier and more sophisticated so Mm. I'm hoping for that. Uh, Megaran, are you excited to see all the Super Mario Maker 2 creations that people come up with? I am. Yeah, I didn't do much creating on the first one, but I played pretty much everything I could get a hold of yeah. uh, as far as new levels. So I'm really looking forward to it. Such a great game. I mean, yeah, I could have predicted a sequel as well, but still super excited about getting a chance to play it again. Yeah, I think that's how Christian and I both are about all of these games that are, um, you know, you can, there are tool sets for creating stuff. I don't use the tool sets. I love that there are tool sets because I play all the things that people that are way more talented <laughs> and creative than I am come up with. Um, yep. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what else they roll out. I mean, Slopes is, is an, an, a good starter, but it's like, I felt like the first one had everything and the kitchen sink in it. So I wonder what is left for them to throw in. Um, it'll be interesting to see what else this game has again not much mm-hmm. in the in the uh, way of details for what mario maker 2 no. is going to be but june is not too far away so wow i remember the uh, review of one of the maybe the first review i read was ign of the first mario maker mm-hmm. and one of the main things they kept saying is this doesn't seem like a game that should be allowed to exist <laughs> because <laughs> because it's like so great so deep what else could they do to it you know yeah. it's like you could play this forever, you know? So I do think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really curious what else they can add because I did feel like the first one was pretty much everything you could possibly want out of a game of this type. Yeah. Except slopes, apparently. (laughs) I didn't even, if you had asked me if there was slopes in the first one, I would have been like, of course there was slopes. I want improved improved level sharing. Like that's, I don't expect that, but that's the room for Mm. improvement between the first one and the second one. It was like, yeah, you could send Mm. them, but it was arduous. Everybody like, 
creating Twitter accounts, you know, <laughs> to send their levels to people. <laughs> well, you make a great point, though. I mean, I remember saying when when this first one came out, like, is this the end of 2D Mario? Like, do they? Why would you ever put out another 2D Mario as Nintendo? You've you've made a tool set. Mm. Any, you know, is it the end? <laughs> Anyone can do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. <laughs> Very, very cool stuff. And uh, there was more. I mean, there was tons more. We're not going to be able to talk about everything that happened in the Nintendo Direct. But I thought another interesting thing was um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice yeah. coming mm. to Switch. Uh, this is a game that won uh, several awards in 2017 when it came out. Um, and it, this is Ninja Theory. So two things that are interesting about this game. One, Ninja Theory is now a Microsoft first-party studio, which is interesting that they're releasing this on the switch i'm assuming this game wasn't part of what microsoft purchased but still interesting and mm. secondly uh it is a game that is known for its very high-end graphics the the visuals are uh are triple a to the extreme it's very detailed you you know the camera goes right up to senua's face and you see all this insane detail and the fact that they brought that to switch i think is notable you know this handheld machine that is viewed as being, uh, you know, certainly a step behind the current gen of consoles uh, for its graphical capability, but they seem to have done it. So I think that's two pretty notable things about it. Uh, did you play Hellblade, mm -hmm. um, Mega Ran? I did play a little bit, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, the I remember the graphics just really catching me, yeah. and um, I read a review, and I was like, oh, I got to get this. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Didn't get as much time on it as I would have liked, so I am uh, looking forward to playing it on Switch. But yeah, the graphics thing is definitely a legit question. Like, it, it was very detailed. I mean, if the Switch can handle that, um, I'd love to see it. Yeah. It's Ninja Theory guys, man. They, uh, they have some wizards working there. I mean, I was about to say, they're kind of known for doing the impossible. What was yeah. the first one made by like 20 people? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so like, if, if anyone can do it, they can, they can make it work. Very cool. Uh, so that was a, it was a really, um, impactful Nintendo Direct. I think it got a lot of people really excited about what the Switch has for this year. I mean, we went into 2019 wondering what was what was going to be on the Switch. And then, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw the announcement that Metroid Prime 4 was being restarted. And so I thought, oh, man, trouble for mm -hmm. the Switch. Doesn't look like trouble anymore. Looks <laughs> like uh, wow. a, a pretty full slate of, of excitement for, for this year mm -hmm. and stuff that's actually coming pretty soon. So... Um, mm -hmm. very very cool of Nintendo to, to put, pull that off okay my story of the week uh, I guess predictably is a VR thing uh, Harmonix announced a new game Harmonix has, has done a number of VR games uh, four of them at this point and they have announced a new VR game a new VR rhythm music game called Audica and this it looks a little bit like Beat Saber with guns uh, where yeah. Beat Saber is, you know, lightsabering to the rhythm of music and and uh, kind of dancing along while you lightsaber stuff. Mm. Autica looks like that where you're shooting stuff. So you've got, you know, you've got two sort of gun things and uh, you're creating and or keeping up with music as it's happening all around you. You're shooting targets. You're doing hand motions. The uh, announcement video looks super cool and I am I could not be more excited for this. Harmonix is the masters of rhythm games. They created Rock Band, etc. Uh, I'm 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 thrilled about this. Uh, Megaran, are you a VR guy? Do you have you played Beat Saber, for example? 
a little bit. I do like Beat Saber a whole lot. You know, as a music guy, I think that that was what I needed to get me into yeah. VR. I was uh, kind of on the fence. I was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, and then once we got into something rhythmic, I was like, okay, I'm all about it. So this really excited me after a bunch of Beat Saber playing. So uh, yeah, I want to see what this is what this is all about. As as somebody that you know, you perform on stage. You've got um, you know full stage show and you're doing all kinds of cool stuff you, and you're you know video game related you've got mixed media going on around you've watched videos of your performance it's awesome uh have you ever thought mm. about stuff like this uh integrating it into your into your show in any way or, or anything like that i have um a good buddy of mine grimecraft who's a dj and producer does a lot of electronic music and he's working on a vr type experience sort of like this where you know it'll run according to the music and uh, it's always something i've always wanted to try to do and uh i think maybe for my next project i've been talking with a developer mm. and i really want to i want to really would give it a full experience that you know but it, it can't suck right. so i feel like <laughs> a thing where i'm like well take as long as you need on it like let's not rush it this can't be bad you right. know but um, yeah, I I just love the fact that with a lot of these games, you can upload your own music, you yeah. know, and uh, and that gives me the beginning of the feeling like, oh, it almost feels like this is my game because it's my music. You know? Lightsaber your uh, own songs. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Christian Attica, does it look cool to you? What do you What do you think? It does look cool to me. I'm hopeful that it comes to PSVR while not the most powerful. I don't think they announced systems, right? Um, they said no, it is coming to Rift and Vive uh, as an early access game on March 7th. That's right. They hope and to then they hope to do PSVR, but um, no plans, solid plans yet. Yeah, I, I, I like mm-hmm. this area for VR. I think even Tetris Effect um, and um, mm-hmm. come on, Brain, you're the Metal Beetle. Incredible game in VR. Super hot? No, you're the Beatles smashing into things, and it's real dark and depressing, but it's music. And oh, it's Thumper. Thumper, yes, 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 yes. Uh, and, and even mm. Rock Band in VR, like there's something cool about these rhythm games, uh, the various incarnations of them in VR. And I think, you know, Beat Saber proved its case so well. And that's it's it's great to see harmonics who are, you know, gods among the rest of us in terms of creating these games more often than not <laughs> kind of entering this space i think is very exciting yeah yeah can't wait to play it march 7th not too far away so we'll we'll be talking more perfect because nothing else comes out yeah right exactly <laughs> nothing else to learn. um and one last thing <laughs> let's talk about it because christian you put it in the doc and uh we have mega ran here why not let's talk about uh evidently it's official you can't copyright a dance. Well, sub-official. No. Sub-official. It's sub-official. A, this, this was Carlton, uh, his case, because he took background, legal back, dumb legal background, not a lawyer anymore, blah, 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 blah. Alfonso dumb. Ribeiro. He's, uh, he was the yes. tap dance kid when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Known as Carlton. <laughs> to bring a claim, you can copyright a work without having it co- filed with the copyright office, but it simplifies your case greatly and kind of is a hashtag requirement to bring a case for copyright infringement is to have your copyright registered with the copyright office. So in this case, the copyright office, U S copyright office has ruled that those dances cannot be copyrighted. Courts don't are not copyrightable. I should say courts don't have to follow the copyright office's instruction, but nine times out of 10 will and do um, and then there's an older case from 2015, I believe, that is Ninth Circuit, which is California, kind of first time 
kind of covering this idea of whether or not dance is protectable. This is for, is for a series of yoga poses and moves, but what the difference is between uh, choreography and dance. And it seems like courts are still, there's precedent for this, um, but dance is still how, too small. How How is it not possible that Michael Jackson didn't copyright the moonwalk? I would, assume, I would assume that that would have happened in the 80s, that we would have had that already established, that the moonwalk was copyrighted. Did he not do that? Mm-mm. Huh. Well, one, he didn't invent wow. it, so. Yeah, but, yeah, I guess that's true, but. He wasn't the first to record so it, it, so yeah. Uh, this is interesting. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm of two schools of thought on this whole thing. As a creative, I feel like, man, uh, I guess I looked at it the wrong way, is when you look at how much money Epic is making mm-hmm. from Fortnite and these microtransactions, and when people pay the money to purchase a dance or a movement that's directly associated with another person. I just feel like as a creative, when I see a fellow creative out there that I want to shine a light on, I I would attempt to contact him first. Yeah. Be like, right. hey, Alfonso, we're going to put this in there. Why don't we shoot a quick commercial with you to advertise right. it? You know, uh, But again, I mean, when you're making millions and millions and millions, I can't expect them to be of that of that school of thought. But just as a creator, I just wish that there was a little bit of I don't know, just a common decency yeah. where we could all just agree to to help out each other, you know. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, he went to the courts and uh, looks like the court said no. And uh, I don't know, it's sad, but I understand it because I mean, it's very difficult, and I get it that it's super difficult to try to prove that something it needs to be copyrighted that you created it even when he said in interviews that he got it from I think Courtney Cox or somebody. Oh, really? Yeah, he said, I saw Courtney Cox do this silly thing in a, in a movie, and, and then I just did it on the Fresh Prince set, and everybody loved it, hmm. you know? Interesting. Well, so. you know, it's certainly, it's it's inextricably tied to him. Like, everybody, you see that, you know exactly yep. who that is doing that. It's not, I mean, there are some dances where it's sort of, you know, somebody did it, and that's fine. But this is this is him. It it's is the, him. Called it's right? called the Carlton. It's called the Carlton. Yeah, that's... <laughs> So you're you're right. I mean, it's unfortunate that Epic just wouldn't do the decent thing and at least kind of show him some respect and say, hey, you know, we'll maybe not give you the millions you wanted in your lawsuit, but we'll, you know, we'll at least respect you a little bit. To, but I guess that's but I think, things are done. I think Megaran brought up a good point yeah. in that issue, though, where it's for a lot of things and, and the Ninth Circuit case, I believe, or some legal scholarly stuff that came out after it or around it in terms of what is protectable in terms of even choreography, where it's um, how who owns it in terms of the copyright, because it is the person who wrote down the steps, the person mm-hmm. who first performed them. Was it a mix? Like, so let's say they did reach out and say, and d- d- please don't get me wrong. I agree with Mega Rand Point and Jeff yours as well, that like paying creators and artists and stuff like that. Um, and so now I'm not trying to say this is a, a backdoor way out of that, but it, it becomes interesting where, you know, let's say they did reach out to uh, him and say, hey, we want to compensate you for this dance. But and then someone else is like, well, I I made that. Like I showed that to him, you know, or whatever, or whatever dance right. it is, right? <laughs> um, it becomes a muddied issue mm-hmm. and, and things like um, even songs, you know, a lot of times the singer doesn't mm-hmm. own the copyright of that song. They performed it, but they didn't write it. And the music is different than the lyrics and or a film, Jeff, where it's like, you know, when you sign on to work on a film, you're signing on to be a, a artist for hire because without that, everyone that contributes to the film in any way, shape or form, right, owns a small piece of that copyright because without all of those contributions, the film wouldn't exist. 
And so without the forethought in terms of the larger creation of to who owns it, that stuff can get really, really messy. And I, the idea of ownership is messy, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like at its yeah. core, it's like, this is mine. Why? Cause. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I and, did it. You know, because yeah. I'm here yeah. and I killed other people who were here first. That's mine. It's tough. <laughs> I, I get, I totally get your point on that. Uh, just to slightly rebut that, not all the way, but. I think if Epic reaches out to Alfonso and says, hey, we want to give you credit for this dance. We want to shoot a cool commercial. We want to pay you. I think then the onus is on Alfonso to say, all right, cool. Well, when I was creating it, I was with these two other guys and let's all come to the table and have a meeting. Yeah. But I think the initial step has to be made by Epic, who is, you know, who has re. And I mean, there's just like we were saying, there's a group of people today who haven't played Link's Awakening. There's a ton of kids who haven't necessarily seen the carlton dance uh or but at the same time maybe they have or maybe their friends or their fathers or parents but uh so it is they are showing it to a new audience so i think like letting him know that i think you know they have to reach out and make the first step and then you kind of go from there yeah and also i think it would be different if it was like hey we put the carlton dance in our game uh, rather than Hey, we're charging people money to buy the Carlton dance in our game. It's like, <laughs> hey, that's a little different, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. And I mean, it's, 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 I always bring up a, a crazy story. The first time I went to GDC, I was there meeting people, saying hi to folks. And uh, I met a guy who was a filmmaker and, um, and, uh, and I told him I was a musician. He's like, oh, you're a musician. What are you doing at GDC? I was like, oh, I love video games. And I was like, so what are you doing here as a filmmaker? And he's like, well, I saw that video games made $500 million, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> you know? so, so it's like, I figured I got to get a piece. Yeah. You know, that I appreciate his honesty, but, you know, it could have been a case where Alfonso saw a report sure. that Epic had made millions of dollars on, right. these, on the DLC and said, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe I'm owed a little bit, you know. Oh, I get that, man. If it's if mm-hmm. if the Carlin Dances is some indie game, you know, that's uh, on Steam, you know, I, I don't think it's the same as the biggest video game in the world. <laughs> you know, it's like I think it's a little yeah, yeah, you sit up and take notice and go, wait, hey guys. Yeah. And and that's understandable. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so yeah. I, I, all I know is guys, I am keeping the dances I invent to myself from now on. Just saying. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on. Uh, I do need to thank our sponsor, which is Third Love. Hey, if you if you're looking for a bra, or you know anybody that does, maybe there's some loved one in your life who's looking for a bra. You need to know about Third Love. This is amazing. Uh, Christian and I, uh, both of our wives have Third Love bras. They absolutely love them, and there are some reasons why. They are made to fit. Now, that sounds like a weird thing to say about a bra because you figure they're always made to fit. But Third Love actually takes that super seriously. They talk about the perfect fit. And they use many, many data points that are generated by millions of women who have used their service to uh, design bras with the breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. The, the, The fact of the matter is... Most women should be in a size that's between most major bra sizes. And Third Love found that out based on their research, and they started making half sizes. The first company to do that, they have more sizes than most other brands. They offer more than 70 sizes, uh, including their signature half cup sizes. And it, it turns out that most women, more than 50%, fall in those half cup sizes. So 
that's great. It's also super convenient. You don't have to go into a store and uh, talking to my wife, I found out that getting size for a bra is super, it's not fun. It's inconvenient. Third Love has made it fun. They have a Fit Finder quiz that over 12 million women have taken to date. Uh, that's actually fun. It takes less than a minute to complete. And it makes sure that you get the perfectly sized bra. In fact, there's a 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear, wash, and put their bra to the test. If you don't love it, you return it. And uh, Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. How cool is that? So even if you end up not liking the bra, it goes to a good cause. That's incredible. Uh, it's comfortable and it's high quality. Uh, they have straps that won't slip and tagless labels for no itching. Like I said, my wife absolutely loves it. She's gotten two of them now and uh, she can't believe how, mu how much better they are than the bras she had. She has one that uh, she has for nursing because we're still nursing our daughter. Um, so it's amazing. Third Love. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC. All right, it's time to dig into the games that we have been playing. So much stuff coming out, so much high-quality stuff, stuff we didn't even know was coming out, coming out. We're going to talk about it all. Megaran, uh, what is on your playlist? Well, I just got new Super Mario Brothers Deluxe U mm. for the Switch. I've uh, been enjoying that. We were just talking about do you need another side-scrolling Super Mario game. Right. <laughs> uh, apparently you do. Me, I mean, it's just, you know, a timeless gameplay. I just can't get enough of it. So um, I didn't play it on the Wii U. So I'm really enjoying this game. Feels a lot like Super Mario World classic gameplay. You know, you just pick it up and you just like right back where you were. Then yeah, it's good. got four players simultaneous. Uh, my wife picks up a controller, dies a lot, but it's fun. And uh, yeah, we have a good time playing it. So that's uh, what I'm playing on Switch. Uh, awesome. Of course, I just started playing Tetris 99. Uh, got the online for that. And um, I'm decent. I'm getting better. <laughs> so let's dig into Tetris 99 a little bit, because all three of us have been playing that. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, we all grew up playing Tetris, right? Everybody plays Tetris. You know Tetris. You love Tetris. Megaran, how do you feel about adding in the, the Battle Royale elements and, and how they communicate that to you and how they communicate the competition? Because I feel like that's really the new thing here. Well, I didn't take a lot of time to understand it. I just jumped in. Mm. And, uh, and I wish I had maybe taken a little time. <laughs> so <laughs> I instantly just start getting slammed with blocks. And, and I didn't really get it. But I knew, I mean, you just play your best Tetris and kind of hope for the best. But yeah. there is also strategy involved with trying to keep your lines down and trying to send lines to other folks so you can get them out of the game. And um, it's the same same mentality I think you got to have to be good at a Battle Royale game, which I am not, uh, which is just thinking quickly on your feet to stay alive. And, right. um, and yeah, same thing. So I'm really surprised that this works, but it works so well. And um, so I really like it. I want to spend some more time. And I spent about an hour yesterday 
And uh, I really loved it. So that's going to be the thing I'm playing, I'm sure, for the rest of the month, at least. Christian, uh, we were sort of gobsmacked by the the Tetris 99 announcement. And I, mean, uh, I would edit sort of out of that. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were definitely gobsmacked. Um, tell me tell me what you think of the implementation, because we, as Mega Rand <laughs> mentioned earlier, we just got off like falling all over ourselves about how great Tetris Effect is in sort of resurging Tetris in all of our minds and how good of a Tetris it was and with some innovations. And here we are saying that all over again, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's a lot I like about Tetris 99. Um, I, I like the way they use the full real estate of the screen in um, landscape mode. I think that the game. So board, smart. So the, smart. Yeah, the, like the Game Boy screen was so small in a weird shape. You know, it wasn't widescreen back then that pretty much your path to lane for bricks was most of the screen with a little bit of extra information. But as things have gone widescreen, you know, except for Tetris Effect, that also does an amazing thing with filling the rest of the screen. A lot of Tetris games in the widescreen era have a lot of wasted space where it's like they maybe put up a static image or something like that, but there's a lot yeah, of It's lot Moscow of, in the background. Look. Right. <laughs> For more of your TV than the actual game of Tetris. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with the way Tetris Royale has, you know, essentially a live stream of everyone else's, uh, what did I say? Battle Royale? Tetris 99? Mm. Tetris 99. Whatever it is. It's the Battle Royale Tetris game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the way it fills the screen with everyone else's live play of the game is data that matters to you. Um, is Actually, strategic data. I mean, you can yeah. actually, if you get good enough, I suppose, I'm not, but I guess, if you, <laughs> I suppose you could sort of use it and be strategic on where you're sending your blocks and yeah. how you're, you know, I, I'm That's sure that totally people part are going to get to that level. It's targeting with, I believe, the right stick and deciding where you're going to send your your trash to and, and how you want to play that. Um, so I really like that. I really, really like that. I think some things that it highlights that could be improved upon, and uh, I'm not sure how quickly this was made. I guess data miners out there have found a bunch of other modes that are coming to the game, so they're still working on it. Um, having only finished third as my best finish so far, I, I think it's actually tied for first, but it was weird the way that happened. I think sure, we buddy. all... Sure, well, sure. It was tied for I, have the, I have the receipts. <laughs> it says third, but I no, think I, I was have tied the for receipts. First. I have the receipts. Um, but there wasn't. Remember how Peggle came into the? I'm just going to keep talking, ignoring both of you. Remember how? <laughs> remember how Peggle burst into the scene and it did it so well with "Ode to Joy" or whatever song it was, like fireworks going everywhere and the satisfaction of that getting that final piece and how great that feels or chicken dinner coming back into popular culture so much through PUBG and all of these winning like winning a battle royale feels really smart and really rewarding because it's difficult to do and i find that aside from the music changing a little bit as you enter whatever it is the top 10 or like when you get into the final 50 there's a little notification i feel like the game could do more to either make you feel nervous or that tension of like oh man i'm in the final 10 or then when you do win or when you lose um having some sort of kill screen or something like that like apex legends does a really cool job with other players killing you mm-hmm. um so i feel like this game's kind of missing that secret sauce uh right now in tetris 99 and then mm-hmm. the other thing is i think it it points out that the godfathers of the d-pad really messed up on switch by not putting a d-pad on mm-hmm. the joy con because mm-hmm. it's just i mean it you can play it but it i actually have one of the hoary um 
third-party D-pad Joy-Cons that I that I used to play <laughs> Tetris 99 with, and I, I feel like I wish there was a, a, a D-pad option for more people. But you know, it played really well. It was smooth. I didn't have a hard time getting into games at launch when I was playing. Um, oh, then my other nit, and I'm not sure if it's intentional or if it's like the Dark Soulsies of games, but when Tetris 99 launched, there's no manual, and so it's like on the top of the screen, it's like badges whatever icon and it's like there's a reddit thread that immediately went up about like how do you actually play <laughs> the royale aspect of this game like how are you targeting people when do i send trash uh, how do i take it yeah. down can i single line clear it mm. so it's, it's kind of cool the way the community rallied around that and it shows how vibrant a tetris community is and can be but not having the game tell you how to do that is like getting last place 10 times <laughs> doesn't feel great either <laughs> yeah but i even even getting knocked out of Tetris 99 early isn't like getting knocked out of Apex Legends. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess there's an analogy to be made of getting sniped or getting a ton of bricks thrown on your screen, but it, it still feels like I have some ability to deal with it. I mean, I'm not getting you know sniped from across the map quite as much. I'm, I'm getting a, a new problem dumped in my lap that's pretty intense, but... I actually, but it kind of increases the, increases the tension rather than just ending my day. You know what I mean? <laughs> it can end your day depending how many people do it. Sorry, my grand go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I think that's what I, how I, I tend to bounce off of battle royales. People who listen to the show know that I tend to bounce off of first person multiplayer games for the same reason that. It's fun, 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 and then it's abruptly not fun, and I kind of don't even know what happened. And then, oh, okay, that guy was like hiding behind a bush and got me. I guess. Oh, okay, there was nothing. I guess I should have been more aware of that bush. But <laughs> you know, what I like about this battle royale is that, yeah, there can be situations where a bunch of bricks show up and it's kind of impossible to deal with them. But at least for a split few seconds, I'm madly trying to figure out how I can deal with that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not as it's not as um, blindly frustrating to me, I think. Well, and it is super satisfying when you are able to overcome those long odds also, because that feels really good. And I think it was Tetris 64. I could my Tetris lore isn't the strongest, but I know Tetris DS had some multiplayer components where you could send junk to other people. And I think Tetris 64 did it, too. And it's cool to see it on this you know, Royale scale of Tetris doing it where it's 99 other people <laughs> that yeah. you can send your junk to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, I guess uh, they've data mined. Um, there might be a team battle mode coming up uh, where you have two giant teams clash uh, a calm battle where you're actually just fighting against 98 bots, which might be interesting just if people don't want to, you know, deal with other human beings <laughs> and uh, some sort of marathon score attack mode where you have uh, either 200 lines or endless. So it looks like the game is going to continue to evolve. And, uh, you know, if it's just a Trojan horse to get people to do Nintendo online, so be it. It's a pretty darn fun one. And I think uh, really pretty well executed and out of nowhere. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I, I brought up uh, Apex Legends, but Megaran, I see that mm -hmm. you have also been playing, as, as is, I guess, everybody else on the planet. Uh, you've been playing <laughs> some Apex Legends. Uh, what is your take on that game? Uh, yeah, I love it a lot. Just being a, um, I'm a, I'm in and out of battle royales, much like yourself, but uh, not particularly good at any of them. But I do enjoy playing, and um, I also played Titanfall, so it's good to see that this is 
kind of, is it in the same universe? Yeah, I think I'm yeah. seeing so much similar stuff. So, yeah, so I kind of know the guns a little more. So that's helping out. Um, it's really fun. I'm just not good at it at all. But, you know, but I actually do want to get better, which is something that uh, was different than Fortnite for me, where I was like, mm, OK, I'm losing. I'm done. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I felt so, the same way about both the games, but I'm glad you're you know, you want to get better. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still pretty terrible. I've got two kills and like maybe 25 games. Only, but <laughs> what about uh, Apex makes you like gives you that desire to improve like what is it about is it the universe is it the a little faster speed like why is this the game that is maybe bringing you in you know i think it is the speed um i just like that i think there's just a lot to do and a lot to learn uh with so many different characters i mean fortnite for example you drop in you're the same character that does the same thing uh you can't melee you can't like punch you can't yeah. get yourself out of a situation when you don't have a gun so in this you kind of can uh, so it gives me that feeling things that I like about overwatch are there where each character has a special ability. So getting to learn that it's just more stuff that I can actually learn, you know, instead of just, uh, how to shoot and not get shot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I, I think that it, it having those, um, those hero characters that do feel like, mm-hmm. well, if I don't like this one, maybe I'll just try a different one. And maybe there's something more about that one that I will like definitely, you know, adds something that, that other, the other games don't. Cause you know, play PUBG or Fortnite. It's like, well, this is it, you know, hopefully you'll find a different gun next game, but who knows you know, at least <laughs> here. It's like, well, I got a cool different ultimate. Maybe I try something, try a different strat. You know, that's cool. Um, uh, Oh, I see also in here, a game I'm not aware of is muscle hustle. What is that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a mobile game. I'm not much of a mobile gamer, but, um, Full disclosure, I, I do a wrestling podcast, and uh, a buddy of mine on the podcast recommended a wrestling uh, video game called uh, Muscle Hustle, which is on iOS and Amazon, and it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like all the, uh, like, I'm a big Pokemon fan, so I do like building up wrestlers and, uh, you know, using them to fight others and things like that. But um, the actual action is like slingshot style. So you kind of pull back with your thumb and or your finger and just let it go and watch them slap across the ring and hit each other. Um, it's really fun, but I think the real fun is just in uh, customizing. And uh, once you level up characters to certain levels, they begin to, they kind of mutate and, you know, become new wrestlers. Like, uh, so they get a new name, a new look, and they get stronger. And uh, so it's really been exciting, like trying to capture new, wrestlers and is getting them all leveled up and uh it's a really good challenge too i think uh i call them toilet games you know yeah. it's something that, uh, <laughs> that's that's fun it's a great toilet game i think though so if you got a moment where you're sitting still uh it's a great game to whip out and uh and get somewhere in i'm looking at a video right now it looks <laughs> like something i would love it's got like you said it's got this cool like flick mechanic so the the whole screen looks like a um uh like a top down view of a wrestling ring but it's mm-hmm. not you know it's not the squared circle it's a it's a big rectangle because it's the size of your phone and mm-hmm. uh and then you just like fling your <laughs> your wrestlers <laughs> around the ring and they bounce off the ropes and bounce into each other and they do um attacks based on what they how they hit the other wrestlers, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So one guy has like a chair mechanic. So once he hits you, he also takes out a steel chair and throws it. Uh, another one has like sand in the eyes. So he hits you. And then he also, once he's done, he goes and shows, throws a little sand at you, which also takes down some of your uh, ability. So um, it's really fun just trying to match up and find like the best things that work against each other, much like Pokemon. And uh, it's not as like clear cut as a lot of that. We're like, okay, a fire against a water or things like that. But just figuring out what works has been a real cool challenge for me. Oh, I, mean, I think chair beat sand every time, right? Like with those are, <laughs> I don't chill. know, dude. You've never had sand in your eyes, evidently, because that's because they're not going to get close enough. Because I'm throwing a chair, right? Like this is <laughs> knife bat all over again. This is 2019's knife bat debate: chair or sand? Dude, this looks like something I could totally get into. I'm watching this video. I had not heard of this game, but this looks hilarious and awesome. Oh, man. It's super fun. All right. So that's called Muscle Hustle. Uh, yes. Christian, time to talk to you about your playlist, which is uh, similar to mine, I guess. Let's talk <laughs> about Crackdown 3. Okay. So the big big games came out this week. Uh, Metro Exodus. Not my copy's it. not here yet. It's yeah. coming. I just haven't. It, it's holiday weekend, which always, when game comes out Friday, holiday weekend, it means Christian's copy's not going to be here until next week's show. <laughs> we'll talk We'll talk about these games. Uh, we'll talk about these games. Um, what was the other big one that came out this week? There's another one. No, um, Crackdown. No, but there was a third. There was three. Anthem's next week. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Crackdown 3 yeah, is Tetris the game. 99 was the other one. There's another one. There's another one. There is? Um, yeah, I think there is. It doesn't matter. I'm looking. Um, keep talking. So let's talk about Crackdown 3. Crackdown oh, Far Cry. Far Cry. New Far Dawn. Cry. New Dawn. See, I told Which you. I'm not. I don't plan on playing. Sorry, audience. I love Far Cry 5. I think I talked about why I don't plan on playing Far Cry New Dawn because I bought the gold edition of Far Cry 5 and I Far Cried enough. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I Far Cried a lot last year. <laughs> How much did you Far Cry? Did you Far Cry enough? Can you Far Cry more? Can you- I Far Cried real far. <laughs> all right so the game we're talking about this week you know because you had to choose it was friday not a lot of time between when it came out and recording uh we chose crackdown three why because we have the <laughs> xbox game pass and yeah. it's here um so christian what is your what is your take on crackdown three well a game i have to say i think i can i think i can say both of us were very much anticipating for many many years <laughs> yeah i'm glad it's out i'm very glad it's out I feel like it um, is. It feels like a vestige of its time to me. It feels very much like Crackdown One, and I, I kind of want to relate it to Darksiders Three, which is another game that didn't quite click for me this year. But or was that last year? Uh, but I'm glad it came out. But it feels it was like two it, weeks ago. That was, it was <laughs> probably. It feels like a lot longer. I mean, there's the world is divided into pre Tetris ninety nine and post Tetris ninety nine. Um, I I. Uh, Crackdown 3, I played maybe an hour and I don't plan on playing more. Um, I think in terms of your, Jeff, like following your fun, it did not click with me in terms of being fun. I think it has a number of issues, but I I see that there is fun to be had in it. It just feels so much like an Xbox 360 game. And I think this genre of open world collectible, you know, run amok game has been improved upon so much since then that there's I don't have the desire to go back and spend a lot of time in Crackdown 3's world. I think um oh come on Brian don't do this to me right now. It was um the Saints Row team. Oh, uh, mayhem Pro- project mayhem. Uh mayhem something mayhem. Agents of mayhem. Agents of mayhem. Yes. I think mm-hmm. Agents of mayhem is a better version and to be fair I played much more of that than I have or will play of Crackdown 3. Uh, but I think Agents of Mayhem was a better version of this style of game. And it, too, 
I think had issues of kind of not really pushing the genre forward. Um, but I know you're really loving it. So I, I think I'm curious to hear where your fun has been found. And if maybe even though you're loving it, if you also agree that it still feels very much like a thing of, of days gone past. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a phrase that I haven't said in a long, long time, but I used to say a lot, which is it's more fun than it is good. This is a mm. textbook case of more fun than it is good. Because if I had to assign a numeric value to the quality of this game, it wouldn't be super high. But that doesn't mean I'm not having a blast with it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I bristle at numeric reviews anyway, is it's kind of hard to explain why this game is fun because, yeah, when you pick it apart, when you talk about any individual quality, any individual system in the game, there are other games that do those things better. And this game is kind of a clunky platformer. It's kind of a, a overly simple shooter. Uh, the movement is a little herky-jerky. Uh, it's got a uh, over-the-top comedic sensibility that I happen to like but can be off-putting to some people, I'm sure, or kind of feel a little trying too hard, perhaps. Mm. But for some reason, I, I should say I loved the first Crackdown. I loved it at the time. But again, this is many years ago, so games have come a long way since. Mm. For whatever reason, Crackdown 3 is scratching that itch again, and it, it feels like a big, dumb arcade game <laughs> that I can just enjoy. It's it's fun. I'm, I love collecting orbs. I love climbing to the top of things and leaping off of them. I love sort of lock-on blind shooting and just getting a big thing and blowing stuff up and picking up a car and hucking it at a guy and then, you know, getting more orbs and getting more powerful. And there's something really satisfying about how Crackdown has always had those orbs explode out of things and then sort of get magnetized, you know, sucked to you. I it just the the world is vibrant and neon and fun and uh well, I would say just for I'd, the world isn't vibrant in my opinion the way that you would say a Grand Theft Auto world. It's not vibrant of like people going places or AI routines. I think no. it's vibrant in like it's neon and very shiny. It's vibrant in the sense that every area doesn't look like the last. It's got landmarks that stand out. It's got weird sections that are fun to explore and there's stuff hidden in, in stuff. You know, I like looking for those mystery uh, orbs and I like trying to find the agility orbs and collecting them and, I'm I like getting the cool weapons and taking down the bosses and yeah, it's not as good as I mean it's not God of War, you know, it's not it's not these great games that we've been playing over the last few years. It's not Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh but it's it's sort of a relaxing, mindless popcorn game. Hmm. Um and and I'm having a really good time with it. Yeah, and I, it actually I, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, say I can't I can't argue with any of those points i think it's and i think it's a great game pass game uh i think there's well, enough value on game pass that having this is, is value add um I, I i think if someone you know i would listen to both of us and read some impressions i think there is a little buyer beware at a 60 dollars release it's hard to assign price to games but i think this is a perfect game pass game because as you mentioned it's kind of this popcorn game for you and i think that's where the game pacification or the netflixification of gaming can really create some really cool fun experiences uh 
no offense to whomever finds the ranch as their favorite show, but I think Netflix, you know, had ran the ranch for years. I think millions of people watch it, but it was never like advertised as their marquee. Like this is why you subscribe to Netflix, the ranch, but it was there and people watched it and they liked it. And this is, this is the point I wanted to bring up and I want to get Mega Rand's uh, opinion on it because I think, I think what we're seeing is that Netflixification of, of gaming and, and Microsoft, I think intentionally doing it where I'm already spending my $10 a month on game pass. This is another new thing that pops up. No one reviews Netflix movies now by saying, you know, is it worth going to the movies to see? Is it worth your $17 to go to the movies? Hmm. That's just an outdated way of discussing movies. Now It, it is, you know, do you want to watch bird box? What's like, well, is it, do you want to watch Bird Box or something else on Netflix? You know, <laughs> or is it worth your time? Yeah. Is it worth being part of the conversation? Mm. And I think that is how that, it's really changed the way people think about the value of their movie. And and again, playing or um, uh, watching something for two hours is a lot different than playing something for multiple hours, but then you have TV shows that are 10, 12, 15 hours that people are like, I watched it because it's on Netflix. (laughs) So maybe that even is not uh, as a big a differentiator. I just think as we move to this Netflix model, as we move to more and more games being on a service that you're already paying for, maybe there's room for stuff like this. What do you, what do you think about how that changes the equation? Megaran? Uh, I think it does because there are some games that I've spent 50, 60 bucks for and thought like, oh, man, I I wish I could have just experienced this over a weekend and, you know, handed it back. But yeah, so I do think there is a place for it. You know, um, hopefully Game Pass will continue uh, and going in this direction where you can just come up with very short games. I think I mean, I don't know how long Crackdown 3 is. Um, haven't played many of the Crackdown games, but um, I, I think that if if the goal in mind when creating it is like all right this is going to be something that you're going to enjoy whether you're going to play or not because but if you have the service and you see something new pop up on it then you're going to think i may as well check it out uh so i do think that's a good place for games to be because it's something different i mean uh you know like you said it's so hard to put a monetary value on on a game and what it's going to be worth to you so uh but there have been times where i've thought like man this would have been a great game to have as a part of a service like that you know so uh yeah yeah so i'm okay with it i think that you know as long as we're honest with (laughs) with ourselves as far as the you know the developers go about the expectations for these games because yeah we're not enjoying it in the same way but we're still able to enjoy it so i think it's a great idea and i think christian perhaps it's a little refreshing or will be as this becomes more and more the norm that you, we don't have to talk about things in terms of is it worth sixty dollars or mm-hmm. should you wait till it's on sale, and we just kind of talk about it in terms of is it worth spending your time on it? Is it is it is it worth playing this instead of something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because there's two tracks right now, right? And I think they're they're going to converge where it's this idea of the Netflixification of, of gaming and the subscription service gaming combined with every game is meant for Mega Rant and mm-hmm. you and I to play for our lives. <laughs> this is our game. Right. We check in with yeah. our friends. This is all you do. There's going to be new content. Fortnite Season 7, mm-hmm. uh, Apex Legends, Battle Pass, like all these games, right? Like Anthem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be playing them forever. So it, I think it's 
going to push the conversation even more that way where it's like, is this worth jumping off of the thing that you're doing to do this new thing? Or is this experience worth it? Or is the new content coming to the division or, you know, every Ubisoft game <laughs> worth sticking with? And how do you, how do you determine how to spend your time? That's your limiting factor and not, uh, you know, your, your budget as much. Mm-hmm. I think it will be a positive and I think it's a positive already because you're right. I, if, if I had to pay $60 for crackdown three, I would have a completely different opinion of it. But the fact that it's part of a service that I already think has value and enough for me to pay $10 a month, and this is just another thing. And, I, and that's how Netflix, as you pointed out, Christian, that's how Netflix creates content. They just want to have enough in their pipeline that every time you turn it on, there's something else for you. And uh, it, you know, if Microsoft can do that and if other developers and, and platform, platform holders uh, start doing that, I think that's pretty rad. Like, yeah, just keep interesting stuff coming and we'll see. <laughs> you know, I think it's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Christian, what else is on your playlist? Uh, Damon X Machina, which prototype missions, which is the demo for the, I think it was announced at E3 last year. I'm playing it's on switch. I think it's a switch exclusive. It's the mech game. And I believe made from um, mech warrior, there's pedigree here and I don't know it. I'm not the biggest mech game uh, fan. I always like them, but they are very complicated more times than not. Um, even when they're made for connect, do you remember that game? That was a bad game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't need to throw shade at a game unnecessarily though. Um, this, so it's free. It's on the eShop. It's four levels. Um, and it was part of the Nintendo direct. And it was also, I think like a, a, a mic drop moment where it's like, this is out. And then also like a very earnest plea of like, if you play it, we're going to send some people surveys about what they think about it. But if you don't get a survey, your feedback really matters to me. Email me and like tell me what you think of this game. <laughs> um, and so I played it first in handheld mode, and I found it the information delivery to be hard to consume uh, on handheld mode, where like the HUD and mm. while this feels like it might be a little bit more streamlined or arcadey of a net ga- mech game than some of them can or have been there was still a decent amount of information for me to digest on the screen and aiming with the joy cons, those analog sticks, while they're still the best handheld analog sticks ever made in my opinion. Um, And this game is pretty generous with its auto lock on. I found to be uh, more frustrating than it was satisfying. And so I was like, ah, I don't know about this game. I love the idea of big mechs and running around in abandoned cities and blowing stuff up, but this isn't going to scratch that itch. And then I played it in docked mode in my opinion, totally changed it it ran better i could see more i was playing with my pro controller i'm air dashing you know through this desolate city or desert wasteland taking out rogue ais as my teammates are kind of chirping at me which is giving me that star fox feel which i know mech games have have done since the beginning of time but it was fun to have all of that and what i'm really impressed with in this this game or these prototype missions is the level of customization it looks like is going to be provided in in the full game in terms of you know, what your mech looks like, what your pilot looks like even, um, and then down to which weapons you have equipped on which arm and which shoulder and the color and changing out the head or the shield. It looks like it really is going to let you play around with that in a really fun, interesting way that is both visually represented on screen, but then also tactically important depending on the mission that you're taking down. Um, so it's free to download on the eShop. If you have a Switch, I highly recommend giving it a shot, especially if you're a big you know, mech game fan. I'd love to know our listeners' opinions on like kind of how this compares to the the the, the mech 
games of past that you know resonated with so many people but uh i'm really impressed by it i i think docked is the way to play it um there's, it's a meaty enough demo which i like and i also like their approach of seeking out feedback to make this thing the best it could be so uh, jeff i think you should give it a shot i'd love to know your take on it because i know you were more of a mech guy back in the day than i was i do like mechs i'm a big mech guy. i am too i think um i would like it so i think i am going to check this out yeah, give it a whirl. It's and it's like I said, it's meaty. The well, it's a four level demo, but the last one, the boss fight, is probably as as it should be, right? The most impressive part yeah. of the game. It was really fun, really cool to see. Yeah, I dig the I dig the look. I'm taking a look at it, and uh, the graphics look cool. Uh, kind of reminds me of um, the Robotech games on what was that PS2? Maybe kind of looks like yeah. that, but yeah. a little more hardcore mech. So I like it. Again, that's called Damon X Machina prototype missions on switch uh we got a uh, a listener review uh, a while back i asked people if there's a game that we haven't talked about or haven't talked about enough and you want to get your uh, opinion of it on the show you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com so this comes from uh angel garza he wrote in and said i just want to briefly talk about a game i'd never heard of before seeing it on the nintendo eShop." That is World Conqueror X. This is a top-down strategy game, but it's unlike games such as Command and Conquer. Uh, the point isn't to build up a base from nothing and eventually conquer the map. Here, there are certain objectives you need to complete for every mission. So before you begin playing, the game asks you to pick between Axis and Allies. In each campaign, you progress through a series of real-life scenarios that really occurred during World War II. You start off each mission with a set number of ships, tanks, and or infantry, and you can gain points throughout the mission and buy more units. Although you aren't able to build up your main base throughout the course of the mission, the game makes up for it with a different kind of RPG element. You are awarded a kind of currency with the completion of each mission. With that currency, you're able to purchase upgrades. What I thought was the coolest part of this game was saving up for the different generals. Yes, you can purchase real-life generals that actually play a role or played a role in World War II. So let's say you're playing the Allies campaign and he managed to save up enough currency you could potentially purchase someone like, say, General Patton and then assign him to an infantry unit. Each general has his uh, strengths and weaknesses and powers up your units in different ways. What's cool is having to be strategic as to where you assign your general. For example, you don't want to place your general Patton in one of your naval ships because Patton wasn't known for being a Navy officer. He's like, what am I doing here? What is going on here? What am I doing? Oh, man. Uh, Doing so wouldn't raise that ship's stats very much at all, and you would be wasting your great talent. Placing him with a well-armed infantry unit, however, will potentially make that unit unstoppable. If you feel you'd be into this kind of game, I couldn't recommend World Conqueror X enough. I believe the game is currently priced at $9.99 on the Nintendo eShop, and there are other versions of it on several other platforms. Nice. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Angel. Um, nice. Cool. I'm not, I'm not usually into World War II strategy games, but uh, this one sounds really interesting. World Conqueror X. Hmm. If you would like to uh, review a game, you can send your review to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, we're going to do something we haven't done in uh, far too long, and we're going to do some quick questions. All right, I'm doing this on the fly, so you guys haven't had any, <laughs> any way to prep for it. So that's the sorry. I'm sorry for the uh, putting you on the spot. Uh, yes, are, yes, I agree. Uh, next question. <laughs> these, are some, 
These are some quick questions and even quicker responses because uh, I apologize. I haven't let you guys prep, uh, but it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. Uh, so the first one, these are, by the way, you can send these in uh, if you want your quick question on the show, uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com, or there's uh, a quick questions thread 3.0 on our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. These are all from that. So uh, this one comes from Gwaki. Gwaki asks, What's the worst game you've ever played? Mega Rand, do you have a worst game you've ever played off the top of your head? Hmm. Wow. Uh, let's see. Worst game. I mean, it seems like a cop-out to say, but I really do feel this way. Is E.T. for the Atari 2600. <laughs> old school. Yeah, old school. That's, that was a terrible so game, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so terrible it got buried in the desert. <laughs> uh, yes, that was a bad – man, there was a lot of bad – you know what's an interesting – I'm going to stall for you to think of yours, Chris. Oh, I'm ready. Oh, okay. But let me just still stall for me. Um, <laughs> and that is to say that we live in a golden age. You know, There used to be a time when like 90% of stuff that came out was just terrible. You know, and now 90% of stuff that comes out is really mm -hmm. good. And then, yeah. you know, there's stuff that's like incredibly good. That's it's like you can't miss good. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's most most games are good. And it, that wasn't the case when we were growing up. There were a lot of just garbage video games <laughs> being made for a long, long time. Um, so, you know, let's take a second to appreciate that fact where, we're, you know, most games mm -hmm. are good. Christian. Yes. Worst game ever. So ever is always hard. So caveat, my answer might be different 10 minutes from now than it is right now, but I'll nominate two. And one is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, which That's I have bad. dumpster fired enough on this show. And a lot of that is I love that series. And that was a sequel number uh, on modern consoles. And it was, it was very bad. And then another one that is to that value of buying games. And I don't know if the game itself was that bad. My memories of it are poison. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters on Genesis. Mm -hmm. I think the Super NES one might have been okay, but I saved up. <laughs> yeah. I used to build little piggy banks and I would like, you know, my lawn money and everything I would save up. And I was so excited for that game and I bought it and I, it was, I was so disappointed, like immediately disappointed. And I took it back to EB games back when you could do that. And the guy just goes, he goes, we've got a lot of these. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, like, it was just like, I'm sure he was far younger than I am now, but it was just the look of like a knowing adult being like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, um, yeah. Was good on the Super NES. I had that one on the Super NES and I really liked it. See, that's what makes it worse. I think that is the case. The Genesis one was garbage and my other friends were like, it's great. And I'm like, screw <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Back then, uh, games were different. They would literally make a different version of the game. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It'd that's be called so the true. same thing. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I made the console wars actually mean something because it's like <laughs> my my version on my console is just trash. It might be <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do this a little differently because uh, there are a lot of really horrible, horrible games uh, that I've played. I'm going to do the worst game that I've ever finished. Mm. And I think the one that comes to mind is a game called Haze from 2008 on PS3. Yeah, that's the uh, team uh, team radical, or it's the um, uh, free radical. 
Free yeah. Radical, yeah. And they made all those awesome shooters of of yore that were yeah. that, my mind's escaping me now, but with like the monkey and like uh they were the golden eye team kind of redone. This was supposed to be the the PlayStation's Halo. Halo Killer, yeah. It was gonna yeah, Halo Killer. It was gonna be this new franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh I was doing the Totally Rad show back then and we were reviewing games, and so I was like, you know, if we're reviewing it, I'm gonna finish it. Uh, it was so bad. It was so bad. I've played worse games. But I've never finished a game that was worse than this because worst games I've been like, no, I'm not playing any more of this. And I forced myself to go through this entire game and it is it was so bad. It was not fun. The universe didn't make any sense. It was it's, yeah, it, it was derivative and the shooting was stupid and the level design was bad and there was vehicles that just were janky and oh, so bad. Hey, is don't mm. play it. Mm. Don't go back in time and play it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, next quick question. Uh, this one comes from uh, SFCR Hoblo, Hobdo. Excuse me. Uh, he says, in 30 years, what will video gaming be like? What do you think, Mega Ran? 30 years from now, what is video gaming like? Wow. I feel like it will be – I feel like it will be pretty much all VR. And uh, but I think we'll be at a next level where like someone will put out a, a thought controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where like you could just you just strap in and you think up and it just goes up. Like mm-hmm. they'll use your brain waves to control the game, and uh, it'll be pretty cool. I think I'm into that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think that like theoretically we're 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 alive and and doing well, you know, like. 30 years is not that far, but it really does feel like that's possible in 30 years. It feels like thought control, <laughs> perf, you know, um, holodeck style mm-hmm. gaming could happen. Yeah, it's I think possible. at some point, I mean, just because of how fast things are going now, I mean, yeah. I can't even imagine. That's about double the time now that games have been around almost. So yeah, we started with Pong and we're at, <laughs> you know, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, you know, or or we started at Tetris, and now we're at Tetris. Tetris Battle <laughs> right, Royale. Right. Yeah, like it's added ninety eight other Tetrises <laughs> at the same time. Oh my, yeah. By then, it'll at least be four hundred Tetris. <laughs> Tetris four hundred. <laughs> years, right? Tetris four hundred. I love it. That's the best answer. Uh, Christian, thirty years from now, gaming. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be AR, VR, kind of focused and based. And I, I also think that I don't know if we'll. The, the explosion of gaming will continue that I don't know to what extent we'll even label things games mm. the same way or it's like I'm going to a moving picture show you know it's like you're sitting down and you're everything is everything right everything is gamified in some way shape or form for better or worse and I think we're going to continue to see that that trend explode or the snarky answer is Nintendo still won't have a good online system it's going to be <laughs> one of those <laughs> yeah yeah, I think that's I think that's an interesting point to say that maybe gaming will just be everything. We won't even think of it as being video games. It'll be just how you interact with the world is always um, altered in some way with digital technology. And so you're, the gamification of everything will just mean that, you know, if I want to go to a place that's not where I am now, I will go there digitally and... There's stuff I to guess, do there. Yeah, there's stuff mm-hmm. to do there. I guess it will be a video game technically, but it will just be, 
I don't know. I mean, it feels like Ready Player One. It feels like a million, you know, sci-fi novels. But it does feel like in in our lifetimes, a very achievable thing that we interact with the world through a digital lens of some kind all the time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's insane. That's insane. That in in my I mean, my life is basically the life of video games. I was born basically when video games were born. And to think that video games might just usurp life in my lifetime is, is, I don't know. It's wild. It's a wild thing. Um, Cool question though. Mm -hmm. All right. Last one. Uh, This one comes from Breadman86. Breadman86 says, as a kid, were there games that you bought based on the box art alone? And did they live up to your expectations or were they a massive waste of time? Is this just asking me what I think about Turtles Tournament Fighters? Is that what this is all about? Uh, all about this In 30 years, what will Tur- Turtles Tournament Fighter be like? Uh, he says, or he or she says, uh, I purchased a game called Space Bucks because of a cool looking spaceship on the cover. Needless to say, as a 10 year old, I was disappointed to find out that it was an economic trading simulator, not an action game about space buccaneers. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I'm gonna look that game up now. <laughs> uh, do you have any experiences like that, Mega Ren? Uh, no, I feel like game box art was always cool, but for the most part, I didn't take too many chances on games. I'd usually mm-hmm. read it like in a Nintendo Power or a Game Pro, and then go shopping. But when I first got my NES, my mother would only let me get a uh, bargain bin games so they had to be 1999 games and so i would then have to pick whatever was 20 bucks and whatever had the best art and um (laughs) (laughs) and so i wound up with a game called trojan for nes um by capcom i don't know if anybody's played it but um fun side scroller i think it was also in the arcade but it was it was really weird the guy could kick and punch but he also had a sword and a shield and um he was in like a a city environment (laughs) with this sword and shield and the bad guys would like throw almost like soda cans at them. And if you blocked <laughs> them, you could you could send them back at them with like I think with your sword, you could send send them back. But and then you could fall into manholes. Like I just never understood why this, this soldier was in the city like fighting. But uh, the game wasn't bad. I just I don't think I've ever beaten like the first level. I think I just was so bad at the game. But uh but yeah, the the art looked cool, so I grabbed it. That's amazing. I'm looking at it right now, and it is hilarious looking. The art is also hilarious looking. The, the fact that the art grabbed you is pretty hilarious, too, because I'm looking at the art right now. I think just because it was Capcom, and I liked Mega yeah. Man, and it's like, well, all right, they can do no wrong. Let's do it. Turns out they can do wrong. Uh, Christian. Uh, other than turtles, what, what, what do you got? <laughs> well, I love this question because I feel like it's becoming relevant again. Whereas before, like, it seems like all three of us, you know, you go into the game store and you look at box art, but now with the internet, the dissemination of information is, is so out there already that you know the game you're buying already before you buy it. Whereas before there'd be, it seemed like several surprise releases, like most games wouldn't have time in EGM or Game Pro or be on the whiteboard at your GameStop when you showed up there. It's just like you walk in and you browse games, or you walk through Blockbuster and browse games, and Box Arts which jumps out at you. And I think we're going to come back to that now with these digital storefronts with Netflix and, and Game Pass and stuff like that, where how often does Netflix change the thumbnail 
of all their shows and movies based on the data of the moment, right? Well, or now it runs with- a freaking hmm. commercial. It runs a whole trailer, you know, when I'm just hover over. I can't not, I can't make it shut up for two seconds. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And then the smaller pictures are different. And there's a time when this is a personal anecdote that I find hilarious when the Punisher Netflix show started, but Punisher Warzone. Uh, I, th- I believe it was Warzone, the second p- or third, if you count Dolph Lundgren, Punisher movie was still on Netflix. And I, I have to assume they didn't want anybody watching that. So if you search Punisher, the thumbnail for that that showed up was, was that Thomas Jane? Whoever the actor yeah. was in it. Yeah, Thomas Jane. The thumbnail was that actor in a blue sweater, like drinking coffee. It was like from one half second snippet of this movie <laughs> that you'd never be like, yeah, Punisher. It was like, what is this coffee date romantic comedy game <laughs> or movie? The Punisher. <laughs> yeah. When you swipe right and they swipe left, <laughs> it feels like you're being pun- – um, That's like the, um, <sighs> the, the other news story we didn't talk about this week was that uh, – after Apex Legends was such a big hit this, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, there's a VR game called Apex Predator hmm. that had this 400% uptick in sales on Steam <laughs> because people bought it by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we're going to start seeing more of box art mattering to jump out at people in crowded digital spaces. To answer this question, uh, a game I very much remember doing this for and loving the game was Hexen, which mm. I, I saw the id logo on and it was by the Doom. And I think Quake 1 That's was already game. out. I loved it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's why I bought it. It was like dark and demonic kind of cover with like this mysterious, like yellow orby demon guy member. And I was like, yeah. Oh, this looks interesting. I turned it over. We were in the era of also ran first person shooters, you know, all of the doom copycats were already out. I was like, Oh, but Oh, this is it. This is that same company. And I yeah. loved it. I loved Hexen it. Two was pretty good too. It was like third person doom or quake basically. Huh. I don't yeah. know if I ever played it. I, I went from Hexen. I think the next one where I went with, I don't believe this was it was descent. We were in the yeah. spaceship. I love that game. Oh, yeah. People would get like nauseated playing Descent because it's yeah. like flipping around on the Z axis and stuff. That's what it said, like fourth dimension or whatever. Yeah. Like was their, yeah. It was their ad campaign. But Hexen, was, I love that box art and I loved the game. Yeah. I may have told this story already on the show at one point or another, but, it, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we, we had, my parents, I did something good or whatever, and I was going to be able to get a new game, a computer game. And so we went to the store and I was looking and I saw this game called Arctic Fox, which is oh, a yes. game. <laughs> and the graphics on the back, the screenshot on the back showed a hand, a white gloved hand controlling the, the, uh, the tank. And if you pushed your controller, your um, joystick to the left, the hand actually moved to the left, it was as if you were controlling the hand in the game, mm-hmm. and I thought that was the coolest thing I could imagine. That it was actually a hand th- that I was controlling in the game, and uh, so I had to have Arctic Fire. I knew nothing else about it <laughs> other than it had a hand in it, and it was like this tactical, lame, <laughs> terrible game that I hated. Uh, that was like a tank game. But I moved and the hand moved and I I wasted my parents' gift to me by getting Arctic Fox. I still love that in racing games to this day. The steering wheel moving with me. I still love it. I still love it. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, that was like uh, also when I was a kid, (laughs) I also I saw a commercial for the Jeep in G.I. Joe that said, and it comes with G.I. Joe. And I thought, oh, my God, that's the only way to get. The GI Joe. 
they finally released the GI Joe. <laughs> I have to have this. And it turned out that you get the Jeep and it has like, I don't know, mud flap or whatever his name is. And the, the announcer was just talking about a generic GI Joe that he didn't care about. But I was a kid. I was like, I've got to have it because it's the GI Joe. <laughs> I feel the, like we're seeing. Dumb, is what I'm saying. Kids I feel like we're dumb. seeing this now with like box deceptive, not, not intentionally deceptive per se, but box art that ends up misleading people is a lot of the um, big Super Bowl advertised mobile games, right? Where it's like right. Arnold Schwarzenegger dropping a tank on someone <laughs> yeah, yeah. on a cigar. Yeah. Or like it's Super like a Model. Match like, three. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out to be, it's a match three game. You're like, where's this awesome Arnold? <laughs> Super Model walks in with like hair blowing and it's like, yeah. the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, bink, bink, bink. You've run out yeah. of stamina. Come back in an hour. And you're like, oh. So true. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, that's going to do it for this show. We, we got our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Megaran, man, it's hey. been so much fun hanging out and talking with oh, you. Oh, man, you guys are awesome, and I love talking games. So this was so much fun. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Tell the folks where they can keep up with you and your music and all the things you do online. Sweet. Okay, well, there's music at MegaranMusic.com. There's merch at MegaranMerch.com. Uh, there's all my tour dates at megaran.com slash shows. And you can keep up with all my random randomness at uh, Twitter, which is at megaran. It looks like Meg Ryan when it's real close together, but <laughs> but it's not. It's mega ran. Yep. Very, very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, oh, it's not this week. I think it's next week. I'm at Flappers for a spot that I know about in advance, which is in, in LA. A lot of my spots are booked week of, so it's a little more difficult, but I think it's the uh, 27th. Uh, if you're in LA, uh, best way to find out about shows, um, as they happen is Twitter, which is at Spicer. And then I stream this show, pretty much just this show, um, uh, Sunday night, 7:15. they're about specific time at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then uh, there should be some cool stuff. I think I can mention it. I want to double check before I mention it. Uh, but things that I've done before uh, last year that I was proud of, um, I'm going to be doing those things again. I can say that. Nothing wrong in saying that. I think I can say everything, but I'll wait till next week. Um, some more soon about that. Uh, yeah. What about you, Jeff? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I do a- another podcast about movies and TV shows called The Slash Filmcast. Uh, you can find that at slashfilmcast.com. What are we doing this week? I think we're doing something cool. I don't remember. Anyway, listen, it's good. It's good fun. Uh, slashfilmcast.com or wherever you get podcasts, you can find that there. Uh, and uh, if you want to email us, again, it's dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your comments or questions. want to do more quick question segments, so please do keep those coming as well. Uh, anything you would like to say or reach out to us, we appreciate hearing from you. All right, and let's wrap so this real sh- quick. We don't need to, but we've got some great emails recently. And so thank you. I know we yes. haven't necessarily talked about it on show. Sometimes people email us and it's not clear if they want it shared or not, but some very personal and amazing emails and that they please know we read them all and they really do help keep the mental and emotional lights on and, and the little coal fire burning in our hearts. So thank you so much for sending those. They're They're appreciated more than you know. Indeed. Well said. Although I don't think our mental lights are on at all. Our emotional <laughs> lights, maybe. Uh, all right. What's the name of that game? You know that game? You know yeah. that game? Um, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I edit all that out, Christian. Uh, no, I, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, 
Um, all right, uh, let's uh, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Megarand, you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, I'm um, big in the pro wrestling, as I might have said earlier, and I'm reading a book that I really love. It's by Greg Klein. It's called The King of New Orleans, How the Junkyard Dog Became Professional Wrestling's First Black Superhero. It's awesome. Uh, it's on Audible, and there's a hard copy. I loved the Junkyard Dog back in the day. He was great, and uh, his story is yeah. just as awesome. That sounds great, man. I would love to read it. And Greg Klein's a great writer, too. I've, I think I've seen the, him write about sports before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cool. The the King of New Orleans. Very cool. Yeah. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? Fun things exceeding expectations and working when maybe you wouldn't think they would. Uh, Doom Patrol is now on the DC Universe app. Uh, it's also the home of Titans, which... I thought trailered very poorly, but I ended up really enjoying that season. And Doom Patrol 2, it's just that book has always been such an oddball thing. Um, And so far, I think only the first episode is out. Second one is soon. But it takes all the right things seriously, uh, but also knows what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so far, I'm really enjoying it. I think if you have DC Universe, it's totally worth watching Doom Patrol in addition to all the old great stuff that they have out there, like Batman animated series and stuff. But I think they're doing a great job so far with their live action stuff. Doom. Yeah. Control. You've been all about that DC app. Service. Yeah. It's a real value add. I bought the year at a discount when they were doing it. Um, but I've, I've been enjoying reading comics on it. The, the selection is growing. It's still not everything, um, but there's a good amount of stuff there, especially old back catalog stuff. And their originals have been, have been great. Young justice, the reboot of that, or the continuation, I guess, kind of soft reboot, but next season of that has been fun. The back catalog shows are great, and uh, both Titans and Doom Patrol have, I think, exceeded all of my expectations. Very cool, man. Very cool. All right, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This comes to us all the way from Taiwan from Al. Al sends this in and says, I have some books to recommend. The works of the late Jin Yong, often called the Tolkien of China, and they're finally being translated into English. My wife has read these many times in Chinese and was thrilled to get me into them. They're a great mix of history, legend, original fiction, and amazing kung fu battles. The first two books of legend, uh, the first two books of Legends of the Condor Heroes are available now, and the rest are on the way, I hope. I've never heard of this writer, but that sounds awesome. A Legends of the Condor Heroes by Jin Yong. Uh, Thanks, Al, for sending that in. Sounds very cool. Um, If you'd like to have your parting gift on the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. My parting gift, correct me, Christian, if I've already mentioned this, but I don't think I have. Uh, Escape at Danamora. We've talked about about it IRL, but I don't think we have on the show. Uh, Well, my wife and I finally finished it. It's seven episodes, Showtime show. You can get Showtime through Amazon streaming. Uh, which is how I do it, uh, directed by Ben Stiller, of all yeah. people, who evidently is an amazing director because this, <laughs> this show is amazing. It's a lot uh, of blue steel. Like what happens in it? I, tons of blue steel. Cool. Um, Paul Dano, Patricia Arquette, Benicio Del Toro. I mean, a star-studded cast, all delivering incredible work. It's a true story that many people know of. My wife knew of it. I must have missed it. It, was, it happened recently, 2014. An escape 
at this prison in New York or New Jersey, I guess, uh, Danamora. Uh, and it is the step-by-step -step retelling of dra dramatization of that. And it is an incredible tale, incredibly told, riveting, disturbing, but pff, awesome. I highly recommend watching it. Escape at Danamora on Showtime. Huh. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Megaran and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us in real time. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers for us. And thanks to you for downloading the show and listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.